The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. Today, my guest, uh, who's been kind of hard to nail down for this interview, is someone I've been chasing for a while, Andrea Bain, the newest co-host of CTV's The Social. She is a television personality and author and a fellow podcaster. How are you? So good. You know what? I'm sorry for having you chase me. It's been a little insane, but I'm so glad I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. So how has the last six months been? Oh my, first of all, what six months? It went by like this. It's like, it's been six months. It's been crazy. It was like, I hit the ground running and it's just been wonderful, but just insane where I'm like, I don't know what day of the week it is. <laughs> I don't know what month I'm on. Um, I, it's just crazy, but it is so rewarding and so much fun. You're showing up on Saturdays being like, wait, I thought we had a show today. <laughs> oh my God. On Thursdays, there have been times where I'm like here on a Tuesday and I'm like, yeah, so the weekend and people are like, it's Tuesday. And I'm like, Okay. So yeah, no, it's been crazy. So just to back it up a little bit, I don't know where you're from. I don't know where you grew up. When did you decide you wanted to be in the spotlight? Was there like an early moment when you were a kid where you were like, I think I might like to be on TV or have an audience? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, aside from performing for my stuffed animals, there was no, as a child, there was no way I was doing that. (laughs) I like to dance and like be like a typical kid. But I wasn't, it wasn't some big dream of mine. I grew up in downtown Toronto and then moved to the east end of the city probably when I was about like just before junior high school, just for junior high school, and then immediately moved back downtown because uh, downtown is where my heart is. So I went to university like a lot of people where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I was had a major and then I took this class and one of my professors actually asked me to be a part of a panel for this TV discussion. And the girl he wanted, who was a really smart girl in class, she was too afraid to do anything on camera. So then he turned to me because I'm always flapping at the gums and he was like, will you do it? And I was like, sure you know, whatever. So I get there and it was in that moment, as soon as I sat down on that panel, the light bulb went on and I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And after that interview, I spent a lot of time talking to the woman who was interviewing us. And I was like, how do you get into this? What did you do? Talk to me about this career. And that's how it started. So I finished my degree because my parents would have killed me if I didn't. And then immediately did the journalism program. And that's how it all started. Very cool. And where was the journalism program? Um, at Humber Cottage. Very nice. Very nice. I was going to say Slumber Cottage, but that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, yeah, so that's where I did my program after I finished university. What was your first gig where you were hired with an audience? Ooh, hired with an audience. That's a, such a great question. Because there was so much what people don't realize is that my career did not do, like, it wasn't a straight path. It was like crooked and I went around. I actually started off in news. Me too. So I didn't get in front of an audience for a very long time, like for a very long time. And while I was doing news, I was also volunteering as a reporter covering entertainment stuff for Rogers. So getting in front of an audience, that didn't come until probably, I don't know, years in. Because in the beginning, I thought I was going to be Katie Couric. And I was doing, you know, long-form journalism. I was on Kids Beat on Global. Anybody that's a it's an old reference, um, but I worked at Global, but my first job, and I, I, I love this job so much, but I was a summer intern at CFTO News, and it was so much fun that at the end of it, I cried. Like, my last day, I was sobbing. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life, and they were like, this girl's a lunatic. <laughs> no, I get um, that. Yeah. I get that. The right? summer gigs were the best in They were the up. best, but it was also for the first time, because I'd been working since I was 14, but this was the first time I was doing something that I really loved. Yeah. And I could feel myself just being so excited 
um, regardless if I was just doing some small story or doing research for another reporter or helping an anchor out. And I just knew. So I was, I'll never forget that because I was like, what is water coming out of my face? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Act like you've been to a place before. Yeah. But yeah, that's how it started. But the the audience, gosh, I'm trying to think. I can't even remember because, again, the whole trajectory of my career, I, it wasn't a straightforward thing. But yeah, yeah, no, not for a long time. I've always had, you know, one foot in like the journalism side of things and one foot in like mm-hmm. music or entertainment. And I yeah. found it really hard to pick between the two because I had a love for both of them. Yeah. What was the moment where you knew that you wanted to step a little more into one over the other? Um, it was out of actually frustration. I had um, surprised myself. And in the beginning, I didn't have any really strong desire to be in front of the camera. I wanted to work in television. And what I wanted to do in the beginning of my career was take every single opportunity just to figure out where I fit and what was my strength. Was directing my strength? Was producing? Was it reporting? Was it news? And so I kept myself and this was at the advice of some of the teachers that I had at Humber College to keep myself open and not to be so laser focused on only wanting to do one thing. So in the beginning, I was just trying different things to see what worked. So in the beginning, I did a lot of behind the scenes. I was a producer for a very long time. And then I, I actually produced on a show. Sorry, I'm pausing because I don't want to say the show because the show's still on air. I was like, and it was just in that moment. It wasn't the show. It was just my experience. And I'm like, you know what? maybe I do have to listen to people who are like, well, why don't you try doing this? And that was being on air. And I stepped away from that job. It was the first time I ever quit a job without having another job. And I was terrified, but I also just knew instinctively that I'd come to the end of the road uh, of doing what I was doing. And so I, I made that move, got myself an agent, and that was it. Okay. Now, is this a point in your bio, if I'm following along correctly, where you start building your own brand? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's when I started. Because when you come from behind the camera, now it's like, well, who are you? Because people are that's the first question people are going to ask you. Who are you? What do you want to do? Your resume, you know, people like to look at your resume and really pigeonhole you. It's like, well, your resume says you've done a lot of news. And I'm like, yes, but I can do a lot of different things. So in the beginning, I think I was just trying to establish myself, especially when you're younger and people you're you're already younger and you don't know exactly what you want to do and who you want to be. But also people are trying to at the same time, put you in a box of like, Oh, you're this person or you're that person. So it was a little bit of a struggle, but I also had the, um, the help of my agent who was really instrumental in saying, we're not doing this. We're going to try and do this. Let's forge ahead in that direction. So she was super helpful. And I find with the social, you kind of get to cover a variety of things where you get to combine that love for journalism, the love for entertainment and your own brand, because we want, you know, four different characters on that show. And yeah. I just have to say, like, the energy you bring to that show is so friggin' refreshing. I love it. Yeah. You know what's so funny? For me, this is the way I've always been. I didn't realize it. Like, it was a job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And people are coming up to my parents all the time, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Andrea is. Because I'm a bit of an introvert extrovert. Like, I'm not, if you meet me in the street, I am not yelling at the top of my voice about my opinion about things. <laughs> I'm, like, a quiet person. And so... People are just kind of going, oh, my gosh, this is Andrea. My parents are like, she would never she would never shut up. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> this is her all the time. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm like, look, it's a job. So it all worked out really nice. Yeah. Well, tell me about your first impressions, like because you were guesting for a bunch of shows with CTV before this happened. What was your first impression mm-hmm. of the social? Like when you met the, the ladies, even if it was a during a different time? Um, you know what, my first, everybody was really nice. Everybody was really sweet, but I don't think I really was thinking about them. I was just so like heart beating out of my chest nervous yeah. because 
it's always nerve wracking to be on live television. Yeah. This show was an established show with a strong audience. And it's kind of like, I liken it to skip doing double dutch. Anybody who's done double dutch, it's just knowing when to jump in. Cause you know that if you're sitting there, you do have to have a point of view. You have to say something, but at the same time, you're dealing with people who have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. They're comfortable with each other. So I was more concerned about making sure that I had something to say. And then I, I got into the conversation and I didn't sit back and just kind of find myself watching like I was on my sofa. Yeah. So that's what, <laughs> that was my main concern. But everybody was like super pleasant and, and wonderful. So it was, it was easy. And what's one of your proudest moments on air with the social so far? Oh, God, one of my proudest moments. Uh, you know what? My proudest moment is not on air. Okay, okay. Uh, my my proudest moment is something that I have not shared with anybody. Since I started uh, working on the social, you know, I've worked on a lot of shows. I've done a lot of different things. And you start a new gig and, you know, you see how it goes and shows get canceled. But this was the first time I've ever worked on a project where women are coming up to me and hugging me and telling me, thank you for being there. Thank you for representing us. We are cheering you on. Like I got brought to tears at a birthday party because all of the women at the birthday party just surrounded me and they were like, we love you there. We, you're doing such a good job. You represent us so well. So that has been the biggest surprise and also the highlight of this entire experience has been the women who have been route strangers, by the way, not women I know, strangers who are just coming up to me and just like some of them with tears in their eyes, just being like, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for representing us. I love what you bring to the show. And that has been better than any outfit, any segment, anything. It's just been the gift that I didn't, I didn't see it coming, but it's been the best. Yeah. Part. I mean, my yeah. mom loved your cottage ranch. Why are you packing up just to go to another house? <laughs> you listen, the cottagers, I ruffled some feathers with that cottage business. Okay. <laughs> but I was speaking from the heart. That's why it resonated with people. Cause I was like, for years, I just kept my mouth shut about this cottage. You know, the cottage, we're all going to the cottage. I was like, please don't invite me. I don't want to go. And it was hilarious. Like (laughs) everybody, I was everywhere. I went to like, you're the girl who's saying that stuff about the cottage. And I'm like, yeah, I I said it. I said what I said. Oh my God. That one. I think my mom was feeling it so hard because like my parents just got a cottage in the last two years. So it's like fresh. And she's like, this is a lot of work. Why are we doing this? I could have told her that. I could have saved her all the time and money and effort. I'm like, what are we doing here? This doesn't make sense. This is to relax. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That cottage rant really got people, that got under their skin. So give me a, a nod to a segment that you're really proud of too. Um. Oh gosh. You know what? I'll be very honest with you. It's overwhelming because every day it's a, a new set of topics, a new set of guests. And it's like after a while, you're just running through them where you kind of have to, I haven't had a chance to really stop and go, okay, so what happened? Like today we had Sarah Nurse on, who is a professional hockey oh, player yeah. who comes from a family of hockey players. So it's wonderful to have those women on. And then a couple of days ago, we had a young woman who did a documentary, a very young woman who did a documentary about um, the, the history of the black community in Vancouver and what happened to them. So there are all these little moments of people sharing their stories. We also had a great conversation today about homelessness and how it's being addressed and how people need to open their minds about what's going on across the country, yeah. not just in our city of Toronto. So to say that the one specific, I really, I have a hard time because we've had so many wonderful people come on and share their stories and enlighten us that I find myself just afterwards, I want to continue that conversation and I will harass them backstage (laughs) and be like, yeah, and about this and about that. So it's, there's no one thing that it has stuck out to me. It's just been wonderful. And as you mentioned, it's like, it's the best of both worlds. Because if you're a journalist, if you're a newsie, you love those types of stories. You love those human interest stories. 
at the same time, we can talk pop culture. I also watch every single award show. So that's also fun. So it's a nice yeah. melting pot of the two, right? So yeah, to pick a favorite, I, I can't even think of one right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, let me reframe. Okay. A moment that you were really proud of the way you used your voice and your platform. Oh. Um, <laughs> She's like, every day. <laughs> every day I, I just drop gems. Uh, no, you know what? Anytime, because I'm, I think for the first time on the show, there is a host who's not married fucking um, preach for the first time so i don't want to i don't want to feel like i'm wait like carrying like i'm leading people in this charge about stay single but i do feel like it's important to change the narrative about the stigma especially for single women about being single yes. so a few weeks ago i had a conversation about like it's the stigma if we could get rid of the stigma perhaps we could help a lot of women who are stuck in very un not just women women and men who are stuck in very unhealthy relationships because they're so afraid and they don't want that stigma they'd rather be miserable there's a lot of people think this way they'd rather be miserable but be with somebody than be on their own that's how much they fear being single that's how much of a stigma it is in their family or their culture so anytime i can have those conversations and be real with people it's like while you're busy trying to set people up and wonder why mm, why are you single why don't you just take stock and be like, are you happy? Is this a good, You're good relationship with you? For yeah. There are too many people. There's a woman right now on TikTok with a 50 part series about this idiot that she married. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe if your if your objective wasn't just to be married and you weren't so afraid of being single, maybe you wouldn't have found yourself with this person who fabricated their entire life. So I always, um, whenever I have those moments, I'm really proud of it because I can feel the audience kind of go, yeah. And I get so much feedback of women saying, I just left my 35 year marriage. And it's the best decision yeah. I ever made. And being single is not half as scary as I thought it was. And I was like, yeah, you're pretty awesome. Well, you, you <laughs> did build a brand around, you know, single girl problems. Yeah. So a book, a podcast. Um, and to be honest, I had never listened to your podcast until I was prepping for this interview. And like one thing I will just say off the top of the podcast chat is, you know, in the first episode, because I listened to the very first one. You know how it takes a moment for hosts to get comfortable and find their footing, especially when there's co-hosts around? You guys were like yeah. just first episode off to the races. So natural, so good. You said a lot of that stuff in the first few episodes that I listened to. And it's, again, the word refreshing comes to mind because it's just not the society that we participate in right now most of the time. And as a single girl, I feel it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what the funny thing is about that book? Years ago when I, okay, so this is, uh, I don't know if people know, this is my third national talk show. Okay. <laughs> the first one was called Free Takes. It was on um, Slice Network and I was the single girl and we would always have these discussions and we had about like relationships and stuff. We talked about a lot of stuff, but we had a guest on. I wish I could remember this woman's name. And after her interview was done, she did a great job. We're in the hallway and she grabs me by the wrist and she goes, you have a book in you. And I go, okay, lady, it's been nice, but <laughs> no. And mind you, I was also, backstory, I was, my first job was I was a page in a library for like, my entire high school career. So I take being an author as a very serious thing. And so she was like, yeah, you, there's a book in you. you you're going you're gonna to write a book. And I was like, lady, I ain't got nothing to say. Like, what am I going to write a book about? And she was like, no, no, change that, mind, change that mentality. There's a book in you. So she planted that seed back then. And it took me a while to kind of figure, oh, what am I going to talk about? I kind of would want to be an author. She did kind of tap into something. And then I heard somebody say, sometimes your mess is your message. And then I was like,
It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are. A few years after we left our previous jobs, we've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking who doesn't, but ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Because I'm that girl who was like teenage years. I always had boyfriends and stuff, but... My 20s were really strange because all of a sudden, without warning, all of my friends were pairing off and getting engaged and getting married. And I was like, uh, um, I'm with you. what's happening? How come? And, you know, there was a lot of stigma, a lot of comments, family members, everybody's coming on, on it. And, you know, my the rest of my life was great. But this was the part where they made me feel insecure about something that really it's a nothing. It's a nothing burger. But I use that. And that was the reason that's the main reason why I wrote the book about it. Cause it's like, yeah, if I'm going through this and everybody's ha- harassing me about being single, I can't be by myself. So, you know, put my journalist cap on, did the research and wrote the book. And it was during the uh, book tour. Cause I was having all these great conversations with women. They're like, yeah, I wish this conversation would go on longer. You should have a podcast. And I was like, Bing. <laughs> all right, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll talk to you. So that's how that all came about. But yeah, it's been awesome. So will you go back to that podcast? I noticed that the episodes were a little bit older. I mean, Oh my God. It's, I did that years ago. It was, you know what? I'm, I have a bad habit. I don't know if you about you, but I have things on my, I have vision board stuff. Like I, the, at the uh, beginning of a year, I don't have resolutions. I just have things that I want to get done. Yeah. And I have a bad habit of like, once I've checked that, I don't, I don't circle back. I don't circle the block. I'm kind of like, okay, wrote the book, did it. Started the podcast, did that. That's living on. I thought they would take it off. They just have it living there. That's so uh, there's an audience that keeps on like listening to these episodes and they're kind of timeless because you're talking about something that's really relationships. You can talk about them for sure. Yeah. Um, But to circle back, I'm not sure because I'm a person who's always looking forward. I'm always looking to like, what's the next thing I want to do. But I don't know if the the people want it. 
Listen, I will sit down and talk about people's relationships <laughs> all they want. Um, but I haven't made that plan yet. I think what I wanted to do is just establish myself here. Like, you have to remember, everybody who's been on the show has been here. This is their 11th season. So I felt like when I started, what I needed to do is put all my focus into just totally. doing this job well. And so I want to do that and establish myself and, and, and you know, introduce myself to the audience. And then when I feel like I've kind of like, a little bit more settled, then I think I'll start thinking about all the other side projects. Totally fair. So how did your like personal schedule, time management, all that kind of stuff change when you joined the social? Because now you have like this thing that happens every day at a certain oh, time. That's a solid question. I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Because prior to this, I was doing news. People don't know I was working at, at News Channel. I went back to news after working in lifestyle for a very long time. And I was doing mainly the morning shift. So I'm up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd be done work by between, depending on the show, between uh, nine or latest 1130 in the morning. So then I'd have the rest of the day to figure myself my, myself out, do little things. And then, you know, when you're freelance, you kind of do a little bunch of different things. Yep. I didn't realize I'd been in a Monday to Friday kind of nine to five job. And the first couple of weeks, I was, first of all, I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. um, and then secondly, I was like, oh, I have to really think about how I'm going to spend my time. And, you know, time management is so key. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. Yeah. And just like, there's also, I'm working with a bunch of great people who I want to talk to all day. And sometimes I don't leave here till five o'clock because I'm in some conversation with the people from the good stuff or from e-talk. So, because there's a real, people yeah. don't see this. There's a real family that works here that is like, they're the absolute best. And we have so much fun. We have quiz shows. We do all kinds of random stuff here. Yeah. So I've been trying to like figure out like how to balance it all. But, you know, I just take it day by day. What does like self-care, personal care look like for you when you're away from all this? Oh, OK. OK. I love this question because I'm <laughs> I'm going to the spa this Friday. <laughs> I'm all about going to the spa. I know. Me too. I will go to I will go to a cold, I've done cold plunges. I will do a cold plunge with a sauna. I've done that. Um also, remember, when you, I think this is also the added benefit of being single and not having children. When I get home, I literally unplug myself socially. Like, if someone calls me and I go, I'm going to bed, I'm not actually going to bed. What I'm saying is I'm done talking and socializing for the day. Yeah. And I just need silence. So yeah. that's also part of my self-care. I journal all the time just to kind of like sometimes, you know, you just have things you need to work through. Yeah. But I love a good spa I and I love a good vacation and I want to go back to Vegas. Vacation, spa, and cold plunges. I stopped talking like probably by seven thirty, eight o'clock. Nice. Just getting head head nods and yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of mm-hmm. We'll deal with that tomorrow. But yeah. So you talked about a lot of like celebratory moments and mm -hmm. you know happiness. What about some challenges that you've you faced in your career? Maybe one that really informed the way you move forward or changed something. <gasps> okay. Oh God. Okay, I gotta be mindful of how I tell the story. So there was a time where I was in the city because you know people don't see this; they see this the the highs, but they don't see the lows. And there was a time in my career where I just felt like I'd hit that glass ceiling and I wasn't getting any other opportunities, and I was super frustrated. And you know, unfortunately, in television, especially Canadian television, once there is already a woman of color working on a show, you kind of know instinctively that you can't apply for Fuck. any job that comes up there. <laughs> yeah. That's no, it's. It's not great, but it's the reality. Yeah. So yeah. there was a time where every show had their black girl and I was just kind of like, okay, what am I doing here? I love this career, but maybe I should have done something else. And I have left this industry and even applied and started to the, uh, a, human a human resources program. And my instructor was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so that didn't last very long. <laughs> um, but I 
opened my eyes to be like, it's not just here, you can work in other places. And I got myself a US agent. And that helped me immensely because when I started all of a sudden, the, when that door swung open, I was getting opportunity after opportunity to fly down. I had an audition where I flew to LA, auditioned for five hours, craziest audition ever. Yeah. Everybody was there, everybody. Like, I'm like, oh my God, why is the guy from Survivor here? Like, it was insane the amount of people who I see on TV who were in that room, auditioned for five hours and then got back on a plane and came back home. But it was that kind of seeing myself and kind of being like, what was me? Everybody has a job, but me. And then the kind of like, you know what? It's not just here, there are other places you can go. And then I got to work at this place called Real Channel in LA and covered every single major red carpet, the Oscars, all of it. And I was like, I had to start, stop kind of being sad about the situation and be like, okay, so what else can you do? What, there's another avenue, go for it. And that's always helped me that kind of mentality, of like just pivot, yeah, just go some, do something else. You're going to be okay. So that helped me. I've heard about mm -hmm. the American agent thing a few times on this podcast. What's yeah. going on with the Canadian agents? I guess there aren't really many. Well, the Canadian agent can only get you work that is yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and we have a much smaller market, whereas in the U.S. Yeah. it's a much larger market. There are a lot more opportunities. And frankly, they're not afraid to have more than yeah. one person of color on a panel or on a show. So yeah. uh, that opportunity was great. But that audition in L.A., most insane thing I've ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> They were literally just calling us randomly into a room. Yeah. You, 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 come in. All right, answer this question. And you answer the question. Everybody's like, ha, ah, putting on an act. And then they'd yeah. be like, okay, you can go home. You can go home. You can stay. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> it was insane. When I got back on the plane, I was like, what? What was that? But it was Get this. One of my best friends is a black woman. She's a radio host. She works in country radio. And by like the second day of February, this girl is sending me voice notes. She's like, how many fucking days are left of this month? And I am curious how you navigate all that. Well, it's very, okay, Black History Month, of course, I'm glad that we have it. But of course, every black person will tell you, uh, if we had written the history books properly, we wouldn't need this month. Yeah. So that's the first thing. So that's always, it's a double-edged sword. I'm like, I'm glad we have it. But if we were just honest about what happened in our countries, we wouldn't have to have a special month that we kind of focus. Yeah. But that's another yeah. And the story. But honestly, I feel like ever since 2024 started, it has not like it entered the room and it hasn't sat down yet. Like for the black community, if you're like into black Twitter, and all the things that have been going on with Monique and Cat Williams and Kelly Rowland at the Today Show, it's just been insane. And everybody kind of, everybody's kind of saying like, this isn't happening during Black History Month, is it? It's like, yes, it's happening during Black History Month. Yeah. But I think it's important to celebrate at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I feel like I don't know, just with all the conversations, especially the ones that we have on the show about everything that's happening in the world, where we realize it's like this reimagining of history or this, you know, our eyes being opened as to the history that we were like never told about, that is bothering me more. And I know some people are like, oh, why do we have to have a month? It's like, we have to have a month because people weren't treated fairly. The, the history books eliminated the names of a lot of people who are very important. So now we yeah. have to circle back and remind everybody. Yeah. So it's, it's challenging to have those conversations and, you know, especially in a show, you know, these TV shows are great, but you, you never get enough time to really get to the heart of the issue. But again, I'm just glad we're having the conversation because yeah. there were years on television where these conversations were not happening. At all. Yeah. So, is there yeah. Uh, is there a black woman that you really look up to in showbiz? Oof. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, You know what? OK, so and no offense to any black canadian television host there weren't a lot of us yeah, yeah. when i was coming up so it, there weren't a lot of like oh she was great um there weren't a lot of us 
but so we always had to look to the United States. And I'm, I know everybody's expecting me to say Oprah. I actually have a, you know, I'm a vet my frustration here. When everybody's like trying to compare <laughs> themselves to Oprah, oh, you're the Canadian Oprah. No, you're not. You're not. You're a lot of things, but you're not that. <laughs> Oprah is in a, in a category all her own, just like Michael Jordan in basketball is in a category all his yeah, own. Yeah. So I think just always the women who were like black women, God, they were so in the United States, like whenever I would be in the U.S., I would just watch because I was just amazed. So they all collectively, whether I knew their names or not, were always inspiring me. I'm like, oh, this is happening over here. And not just the ones who are in front of the camera. I cannot tell you how many times, because I would go to these journalism conferences all the time, I would be meeting women. I remember I met this one woman, she was like two years older than me, and she was the VP of news at ABC in New York. And I could not stop staring at her. Because I was like, do you know how huge that is for you to be in that position? And she was just looking at me like, because for her, it's very common to see women of color in those, you know, managerial positions. And I'm like, I've been in Canada, Canadian television for almost 20 years and I've never seen a woman of color in a, in a job right. at that level ever. Yeah. So not just women in front, but also women behind have been actually to me more, uh, more inspiring than, than anything else. I love that so much. Yeah. Now I usually end all of my episodes asking you about a few women that you would love to nominate to come on the show. People that you would love to hear more about their story, people you admire. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to name these two women. Okay. One of them I actually just met today, but cool. I've, she's a fascinating story. Her name is Sarah Nurse. She's a professional Canadian hockey player. She is also a black woman who comes from a legacy of uh, athletes. I literally have an interview request in for her, just so we're aware. <laughs> uh, she's Okay, first of all, like she's amazing. She was wonderful. She did so well on the show today. Yeah. So she's another woman that I'm like, also, when I think about hockey players, I growing up, I never thought about a young black woman playing hockey and I think it's really important I like that she's there because I think when you when you see yourself somewhere when you see someone who looks like you somewhere it kind of gives you that encouragement it's like oh maybe I could try this sport yeah, yeah. um so I think she's super important and another woman who's gone from playing professional hockey to now being a commentator is Soroya Tinker so I those also have requested for her listen those two women are remarkable yeah. because again when you think about sports and you think about black women, most people think about what? Track and field, basketball, volleyball, all these other sports. Yeah. But hockey is probably not going to make the list. And right now we have these two women who are fantastic and dominating in the sport yes. and now moving into on air, which is like in Canada, which is wonderful. So I'm nominating those two powerhouse women because they're amazing. I love that. Do you play any sports? <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a debate club drama club i was a, a cheerleader on a co-ed uh team yeah. uh, where we did like stunts and stuff yeah. but uh anything with a ball i really wasn't into but now as i'm getting older i'm like i don't know what's happening like i signed myself up actually soroya i'm blaming her i've signed myself up to join a black women's hockey league oh shit <laughs> pray for me i don't know what i was like when i saw it in the email it sounded like a great idea and then i was like wait a second these people don't even have teeth. Like, what am I? What did I just sign up for? <laughs> and you've never, you've never played hockey ever. Like outside of gym class, no. But I signed myself up. Pads, everything, skates. Like, can you skate? I'm like, yeah. Like, not with pads and a stick, and I gotta hit them. And they're like, yeah, it's gonna be fine. Use the stick as as balance. I go, we'll see. But you know what? I like to push myself to try new things, and I will wear a mouth guard because teeth are expensive, and I'm not messing with mine. One last question for you and your teeth. Do you have a wish for women in this industry? 
I hope for women in this industry to continue to get paid what they're worth. Fuck yeah. To be seen and given opportunities wherever they want to be in our industry, whether it is behind the camera or in front of the camera. Because I think a lot of people just naturally assume when they see a woman in our industry that she she's desperate to be in front of the camera. And that's simply not true. And we need more executive producers. We need more directors. We need more ADs. We need more camera. Yeah. We need every. We need women in all of those positions. Um, and also for there to be more work-life balance for women who do choose to be in this industry and have a family and have kids. And for them not to feel like they have to choose one or the other because this industry is not always kind to women who have, you know, babies. Yeah. and uh, a life that they want to attend to. So I'm. that's what I would love to see in the future. Thank you so much for making the time. I loved everything you said on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sorry that you have to chase me. You don't have to chase me anymore. I'm right here. How amazing is Andrea Bain? You will find all of her links and information in the show notes. And just a heads up, you are going to get a bonus episode of the Women in Media podcast coming up on March 8th. I guess it's a tradition now to drop a solo episode on International Women's Day. But this year, I have a huge announcement coming along with that episode. So a couple things. If you want to be first to know about that announcement, subscribe to my newsletter at womeninmedia.ca. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you're following along at Women in Media Pod on socials. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's this luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.